just going to continue in a time of praise and prayer and worship for a minute. I had a pretty awesome introduction, haha, <laughs> but God doesn't call me to be funny or awesome, God. God calls us to be a blessing, God calls me to be a blessing to him and to you, and this morning we've had a couple prayer requests. One, one of praise from Sue and Dasa. Some of you know Dasa, and her aunt was taken off life support on Friday and died a few minutes later. And uh, I got to hear the story of how uh, her her son, who was in the Saint Olaf Choir in Sweden right at the time that she was taken off life support. Uh, their CD was playing through the hospital. And he is on the CD. And it is well with my soul came on. And as they, as they took uh, this woman who was too young off, off life support, it is well with my soul came on. And this reverberation of the spirit moving in this room as this woman passed away and was healed, but not in the way they wanted. But she is now free from the bondage of the cancer that was in her and the sickness that she had. And we sing a song like Stronger. And we wonder sometimes if God is strong enough What kind of image do you see when you see God? And when you see God as Father? I was praying with Amy and her her cousin is going to be taken off um, her cancer treatments and she just turned 12. And they're giving her weeks to live. And her family has been broken up about this literally and um, generationally. And so I just ask that we pray right now for, for Sid. We pray for this girl and we pray that God would heal. And he may choose to heal by, by bringing her from this life to the life in heaven. And we will praise God because he is good. But he could do a miracle and keep her on earth if that was his will. So God, we beseech you. We come to your throne. We come with confidence and boldness, not because of anything we've done, but because you say to call us, that you, you say that we should call you Father. When the disciples didn't know how to pray, And they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. He says, when you pray, say, Abba, Father. Say, O Lord, our Father in heaven. God, I pray that we would get a picture of being little Hebrew children running to their dad with him bending down on his knee with joy and a smile on his face. Abba, Abba. 
Dada, God, who is in heaven, who is good, who smiles upon us, who knows our needs even before we ask them. We have someone with great need today. We may have many with great needs today. But we, we bring Sydney to you. We bring this 12-year-old girl who is full of cancer. And God, we pray for healing for her soul, for her mind, for her spirit and her body. God, we pray that she would know that she is, first of all, in your hands, that you care for her in the midst of this disease. Holy God, we pray that your spirit would heal. And God, we pray selfishly, if it be your will, and it bring you more glory, that you would heal her on earth. Because God, you can do that. We pray that you would. But God, your will and what might bring you the most glory is to bring her to heaven and heal her whole body there. We do not know, but you do. God, if the image that we have of you is, is broken or twisted, God, we pray that today, even in the midst of this prayer, God, we pray for ourselves. We pray that, that we would see clearly who you are, that you are not some distant God. You are not some father who is uninvolved. You are not a father who is, forgive me, crotchety and irrelevant but you are close and you know our needs and you are strong. God, you are not a father that is harsh. You are a father who says that you are slow to anger and filled with love. So we know that however you're going to act, God, you will act in love. That is who you are in each of these situations. I, I praise you that, that even in the midst of suffering, that Sue and Dasa could see that. God, if our image of you is something other than what you want today, God, would you heal it? Today, God, would you change it? God, may we hear your voice today. Speak to us what we so desperately need. For some, it is hope. For others, it is healing. God, would you just speak to us, Holy Spirit, today on on who you are and what we need to hear. We praise and thank you and trust you. Amen. You can have a seat.
Well, good morning. I knew there would be a day when God would hijack the service, and it would be good. So thank you for uh, praying with us in tough, tough situations. I believe there are things that we need to hear from a father. And the good news is that God calls us his father. And God has some things that he wants us to hear. I think not just things he wants us to hear, but things that he needs us to hear. Now, there are many, many people who have never heard those things. Uh, in the United States, 24, over 24 million children, 33.5% of them do not live with their biological fathers. Uh, 63% of black children, 35% of Hispanic children, 28% of white children um, don't live with them. 43% of urban teens don't live with their fathers. And there's hope in the midst of those statistics, because it doesn't have to be a biological father. Some of you are called to be fathers, and you're not men. Some of you are called to be fathers, and you don't have children. And that's good. God has created us as a community to be in need for each other to be in service to each other. And we'll see in his word today that he longs to fill that place in our lives. Now, as you recall your own father's voice, if he was around, what kind of memories does that bring up? Is it memories of gratitude because you had a good relationship with your father? Or the father figure that was most prominent in your life, it was a whole relationship. Maybe you have a mixed gratitude. There's some good, some really good, and some really bad. Maybe when, when I ask what you think of your father's voice, the, the emotions or memories are, are some of numbness. Because you've, you don't like to think about it. Or maybe it's emptiness because you're like those statistics. There was no one in that role. Or maybe it was bitterness or anger because this father figure was harsh. Whichever it is, hold it. Hold that memory. And then hold up that memory of the image that you have of God. How close are they? For far too many of us, what we think of our own fathers or the father figures in our lives is, is what we think of God. But today, I pray, not only as I prayed earlier, but I pray right now that if we hear these voices from God as Father, we will understand how we're to live, not only in relationship to God, but in relationship to others. And so if you have a Bible, you want to look at Mark chapter 1. If you need a Bible, they're in the back. If you don't have one, you can bring it home. Maybe you've got it on your Bible. I like version. It works really well. 
But Mark chapter 1 is the story of Jesus' baptism. So we're starting in verse 9. It says in Mark 1, that at the time of Jesus, he came from Nazareth. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice from heaven saying, You are my Son, with whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent Jesus into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and the angels attended him. Mark, I, I love this gospel writer, Mark, because Mark is straight and to the point. And if you are one of those straight and to the point people, then conversations with me can sometimes be frustrating, or conversations with animated uh, extroverts can sometimes be frustrating because they want to give you all the details of the story. When I asked my dad, since it's Father's Day, I was thinking of a memory of my dad. When I asked my dad about golf, I get every shot of all 18 holes. I get his emotions in the shot. I mean, starting at the first tee, and I get the whole thing. So if you ever want to have a long conversation with my father, just ask him about golf. But Mark does not do any of that. Mark goes straight into the point, and he says in 16 chapters what some people take 28 or 21 or 24 chapters to say. Mark is just immediate, immediate, immediate. Gets there, but... He thinks that Jesus' baptism is so important that he's going to include that in the story. And so Mark comes on the scene, boom, hey, here's the good news of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, and it's said by the old prophets, bam. And Jesus and John went out into the wilderness to baptize, and at that time Jesus came to be baptized. And everybody's wanting to know, who is Jesus? This doesn't just recall the events of Jesus. This also recalls who Mark would have been writing to or heard this guy that labels his book called Mark would have been writing to. Well, the same question would have been true. Everybody in about 50 AD, 20 years after Jesus, is wondering, well, who was Jesus really? And Mark wants to answer the question more importantly, who does God think Jesus is? Aren't those the two questions that we most want to ask ourselves? Who am I and what does my father think of me? Now, we see that in these stories of the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see what people think about Jesus. Some people think they're, they're just not sure what to think of Jesus. Uh, some are intrigued by him. Some are shocked by him. The religious leaders don't like him. The disciples are confused by him. The demon-possessed people, they clearly know he is the Holy One of God. A little ironic. But what does his father say about him? Now, on the one hand, we don't clearly know what God's first words were to Jesus when he first revealed himself. But... What we do know is that Mark records this as the first statement that God speaks to Jesus. 
very important. And he says, this is my son with whom I love and with whom I am well pleased. So God chose Jesus. He says, this is my son. And you see all throughout Greek literature that when these, these demigods like Hercules come forward, their, their Greek godparents claim them. And, and there are other people that, that go across oceans to adopt children. And this idea of choosing someone, saying, this is my son. He's saying, I choose him or I accept him as my own. So Jesus, when this happens to him, he not only understands who he is, but he understands more clearly what his identity and his life as the Son of God would be about. And that's really the first thing we need to hear from the voice of our Father. We need to hear acceptance. I choose you. I'm for you. We need, accept, we need the acceptance of the Father's voice. And, and on Mother's Day, I talked about what a mother gives us in this belonging series. We talked about how a mother gives us a name usually, usually the mom's trump, but not always. But not only that, she gives us this identity. And, and what a father does is, is a, I think a father enhances that identity. Now, God is both mother and father to us, but... But for our own humanness, the Father gives us this. When, when, when people feel the acceptance of a father, their identity is stronger. They more clearly understand not only who they are, but what their life is supposed to be about. I mean, listen to some of the statistics about people who, who don't have a father figure. Fatherless children are dramatically at greater risk of drugs and alcohol abuse. Why? Because I'm not sure what my life is going to be about. Fatherless children are twice as likely to drop out of school. Young men who grow up in homes without fathers are twice as likely to end up in jail. 63 to 75%, that's almost two-thirds to three-fourths of youth who commit suicide come from homes without fathers. Direction and identity is so important. And 85% of all children that exhibit behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. 85%. What we need from our father, like I said, is acceptance. When you hear the words, I choose her, I am for him. Doesn't that build you up? Doesn't that make you, not to be cliche, but doesn't that make you a little stronger? When we know that, that we have someone who's behind us, that we have someone who's next to us, that we have someone to protect us, we feel like we can make it. We feel like we can do the things that we are supposed to do in this world or that God has called us to do. And, and here's the thing. Sometimes when we hear acceptance, we hear it through the lens that many of us have experienced. Now, not necessarily because our dads or father figures try to do this, but I accept you when you do good. 
and I, I don't accept you when you do wrong or when you do bad. And so we grow up with this haphazard, conditional acceptance, wondering when we're going to receive the acceptance that we so desperately need. But God says, regardless of what you do, I choose you. In fact, he says, I will not leave you or abandon you. And if your father left, that might be hard to hear. So I don't want to say, oh, just trust. But no matter what your father figure did, God says, that's not who I am. I am filled with love and I will be for you. I will choose you and I will continue to choose you no matter what. Romans 8 says that when we receive God's spirit, he adopts us as his own children, and now we can call out to him, Abba, Father, for when his spirit joins us, he affirms that we're his children. I choose him. I choose her. And this is an unconditional, no matter what, I always choose you. I will always choose you. If you're knucklehead, then I picture God putting his arm around me and saying, you're being a knucklehead. Let's go. I choose you. And when I do well, I choose you. I'm for you. You're my son. You're my daughter. And the Spirit says this. If we have the Spirit, the Spirit is the one. It says in Jesus' baptism that the Spirit descended on him like a dove when he was wondering when he wasn't sure, when he didn't hear the Father's voice, when the Father seemed silent, when he asked, God, can you take this cup from me? I don't want to go through this. The Spirit was there ministering to him in the times of temptation. We need the Spirit to remind us. So how much acceptance did you get from a father figure? Might be hard to go there but I'm not going to make you share publicly. So think about it. How much acceptance did you get from a father figure in your life? John 6 says that those whom the father has given me will come to me and I will never reject them. Maybe this acceptance thing is hard because you've been rejected way too many times. So when I ask how much, can you accept God's offer of being called his son or his daughter? You might not know what to do with that. But God says, I will never reject you. June 16th today, I'm reminded of June 21st when I, Longest day of the year, so I I went out with this girl from sun up to sunset. At the end of the day, I said, hey, I, I really like you. I'd like to spend the rest of my life with you. If I asked you to marry me, would you say yes? And she looked at me and said, are you asking? Well, I'm wondering. I'd like to ask, but I want to know the answer. I don't want to be rejected. Well, man up and ask, otherwise I'm just going to sit here. It took me three or four more months, but God says, I will never 
reject you. Hey God, if I say I need you, will you give me the cold shoulder? God says, no. No, I'll never reject you. Hey, but you know, the father figures in my life, they let me down. I will never reject you. Never. How much can you accept that? To the confidence that you have that God's word is true and that he's faithful and good. Number two, we need acceptance from a father. But number two, I think, says, this is my son with whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. God dearly loves Jesus. I would call this affection. God speaks a strong affection into his son. And we need affection from our fathers. And, and some fathers get really weirded out by this. Um, but this affection is uh, shown that research, or sorry, I said that wrong. Research shows that men are really good at exhibiting emotion. Well, one, emotion. Anger. Yeah. Yeah, here's what happens though. When fathers express that one emotion over the others. Girls with angry dads, they get scared to talk to their dads because they think they might not love them. They think they might be disappointed. Oh, that D word. They think that they are not sure what kind of comfort they're going to get or that they might not be loved. And so girls with angry dads just move further and further away. Boys with angry dads, they get scared too. But in general, what research shows is they learn what they're seeing and they become angry men. And they don't learn how to deal with the conflicts of life. The number one way to keep a strong friendship is the same number one way that is the indicator of if a marriage will last. Can people resolve conflict through and well? Boys who have angry fathers, that's a huge obstacle for them. They almost never learn it the right way. Except kids who receive the right affection from their fathers, they tend to thrive in their schoolwork, statistics show. It says they have a more positive self-esteem. They're less likely to go looking for that self-esteem or affection from someone or somewhere else. Like 97% of teen girls that were surveyed in a small survey of several hundred girls say that 97% of girls said having parents they could talk to could reduce their risk of teen pregnancy. 93% said loving parents would reduce the risk. And 76% said that their fathers were either somewhat or very involved in their decision to have or not have sex. They're listening. Boys with the right amount of affection from their fathers, when they don't have that, they, 
may go looking from that from someone else, but they often go looking for it somewhere else through accomplishments, through trying to succeed, through getting that award, through winning that thing, to getting their name in the paper, or to doing this, or to having other people give them the accolades when they so desperately just want the affection of their father. I love you, son. I love you, daughter. Because the accomplishments might fall short and the achievements might not be enough. But more importantly, what happens to these, these boys is that, that they're never confident and secure just who they are. And so they think their relationship with God is, again, conditional based on what they do. Not necessarily maybe how good they are or how bad they are, but just in what they do. If I do this, if I can get to this, if I can achieve this, then, then God will love me. And that is not the case for who God is. God's affection is physical, this, and verbal. The Lord says in Psalm 145, it says, The Lord is merciful and compassionate. He is slow to get angry and he's filled with unfailing love. And he's good to everyone. And he showers compassion on all his creation. God loves us. If there's one thing that's said over and over in the scriptures, it's that God loves us us. That doesn't mean he's a softy. It's a strong love. It's a love that guides us, that comforts us, that corrects us, that leads us, that guides us, that offers forgiveness and compassion and correction, and again, strength. So strong young women and strong young men can know the security, this unconditional love of their father. First John says, the see the great love that our father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God. I don't know if you've ever thought about what it means to lavish someone. Maybe you've gone to a hotel that's way out of your league. Like the, the towels are over an inch thick and the bath has the soap suds and the jets and maid service or room service comes and, and, and it's just beautiful and it's like, oh, it's all paid for. Because you look at it differently when it's all expenses paid, right? You know, ooh, we can't, don't open that bottle. That's six ninety five for that shampoo. That's twelve eighty seven for that little four ounce bottle of wine. Don't open those. Oh, everything's covered. The Father's love that's lavished upon us doesn't produce spoiled children because God is good. His generosity wouldn't lead us to spoiled or greed because then he wouldn't be good. But it leads us to a security. So again, just like the acceptance, how much affection did you get from your father figure? how much affection can you receive from God? 
Maybe you don't want to answer that question because you're too busy trying to earn his love. God has talked to me about that one several times before. You don't have to earn my love. Just accept and receive my love. So if you're one of these people that this is a struggle for, I think that the scripture says that we're supposed to stop and be silent and let God speak to us through prayer of his love for us. Number three, God says, This is my son with whom I love and with whom I'm well pleased. Well pleased is a word that means I take great delight in. I'm proud of you. This is, this is my girl. Do you know what this girl can do? I see you do this, and I'm so proud of you when you do this, and I've seen you, and, and I brag about you. God used this word, well-pleased. At least the writer wants to connect that to the prophets of old. Isaiah, yes, Mark quotes that. But Elijah, Malachi, um, I'm forgetting one. And that's not the name, I really forgot it. Uh, sorry. Malachi is, says, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare the way for you. And he is the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Same phrasing. And so the writer is saying, I want you to get this. Like, my son is the anointed one, the chosen one, the Messiah. He's the son of God. And he is connected to the hope that all the prophets have said over and over and over. And so I take delight in him. He is my messenger. He is my servant. And he will bring judgment and hope. Sometimes fathers bring judgment and hope. If you've ever heard the phrase, just wait till your father comes home. And you know that that is a mixed bag. Just wait till your father comes home. Yes, because there'll be maybe a present or there'll be affection or kindness. Or the belt. Sorry, back in the day when there was a little bit more physical discipline. Just wait till your father come home usually meant that there would be a, a large bruise on your backside for a few days. But, but he says, I am well pleased. This messenger that brings this judgment and hope is not a judgment that has to be severe. It, it, it actually correlates to this idea of the people of the day. If you go earlier to Mark 4... We'll come back to Zephaniah. But if you, co- if you go to Mark 4, you'll see that, that John the Baptist is in the wilderness offering forgiveness of sin. And all Jerusalem is coming out to see him. Where do the Jews get forgiveness of sin? They go to the temple. They offer sacrifices and they confess their sin. And where is John? He's not at the temple. He's out in the wilderness where anyone can come to him, where you don't have to be a certain status or you don't have to get to a certain place or you don't have to do a certain number of right things to go through the places to get to that. He's in the wilderness. Anyone can come. There's no animal sacrifice. There's confession of sin. 
And John is saying, there's going to be a new way. I'm judging you because you're putting your hope in, you think you're going to get the affection and the affirmation and the acceptance from God by doing religious duties. There's a better way. There's a new way. There's a Messiah way. Jesus says, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, all who of you who have tried and tried and tried to get the things you need from a human father, I will give it to you. Confess what you've done wrong and I I take you in and the spirit will come into you and the spirit will affirm that you're my children. Which way do you want to do it? That's what the writer's piece of judgment and hope are. And we need this affirmation from God. I am well pleased with you not based on your religious duties, but the fact that you're my kids. So Zephaniah, if you struggle with this idea that God affirms you and that God is for you, this would be the verse that I would say, memorize forever. Zephaniah 3.17 says that the Lord is with you. The Lord is a mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. He says, I am with you. I will save and protect you. I delight in you. I sing joy over you. Sound of music coming to anyone's head? Sometimes I I sing my kids awake in the morning, uh, usually off key. But, But it's my way of giving them the affection and the acceptance and the affirmation. God, my dad loves me enough to make a fool of himself. God is crazy about his people. Does that mean he doesn't care about sin? Sin breaks his heart. It breaks his heart when we run from him. But he loves us enough to come after us. I will no longer rebuke you, but I will rejoice over you. What is the affirmation that you received from your father? Did you get it? How much can you receive it? John the Baptist says, which one are you going to do? Are you going to put your hope in the religious practices? Or are you going to put your hope in this new way? Do you want to try and try and try? Or do you want to just confess your sin and receive Jesus' love? As the band comes back up, I want you to hear that you and I, we're God's child. Hear his acceptance today. Hear God's love today. Understand it. He gives us his affection He gives us comfort and strength, even in the midst of situations where we don't know the outcome. Even in the midst of situations where we've never had it before. God gives it and will always give it, and he affirms us. If you have no image of God, let me just give you one that he smiles. He smiles when he thinks of you. And he chooses to include us in his special possession and his holy people. 
no matter who attacks that truth. Immediately after this, he went into the wilderness and was tempted by Satan. You will leave this place, and I have no doubt that you will be attacked in your identity as God's child. But his affirmation, his affection, and his acceptance is enough. Which one do you need to hear the most today? God, I, I thank you for when your spirit moves and speaks and says, I just need to stop. We need to stop and we need to ask and we need to beseech God our Father. Some of us don't pray to you because we don't trust you. We don't see you as good and we don't see you as close. And God, we offer our forgiveness right now. We confess that. God, may we see you as the one who, affect, uh, who gives us acceptance, who gives us affection, and who affirms us. God, may that lead us to be the people you call us to be.